This is a, uh, this is a difficult message. This is one that I don't enjoy doing every year, um, but it's something that, you know, God's challenged me to share with the church. So the first thing I want to say is that um, I'm going to kind of present this in a way that some of you may not have heard before, so hang on, okay? Don't check out right away when you find out what the topic is, um, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to hear some of my story as well, because I've come on a long journey through this as well, and I'm going to share some of that uh, personal experience with you as well. But one thing that we would all agree with is that we, we know that love gives, right? Love gives. Um, and the reason that we love is because God first loved us. He loved us so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And that's what the Scripture says. Um, and so what we're doing, I forget if this is week four or week five, but we're, we're in the middle of our I Love My Church series. And what we've been doing week after week is looking at how does God and His Word actually define the church? Because a lot of us get that twisted and we think that the church is a building or a church is the place that we go every week, but scripturally that's not true. The church is the people of God. The truth is the Christians are the church. We are the church. It's not a place we go or, or a building. That's something that somehow has happened over the centuries, but that we describe the church as a place or a building, but that's not what the scriptures say anywhere. It's the people of God. And so what we've been looking at is different values that God says the church, us as God's people, are supposed to have. And, and so last week we talked about how one of the things that God calls us to as the church is to serve. Just like Jesus uh, demonstrated servanthood, we are to demonstrate servanthood. And the path to greatness in God's kingdom always starts with servanthood. And so we are to serve within the church and as the church out in the community. That's what God calls us to do. Um, that we're not consumers as the church. We don't shop around for a church that meets all our needs once we've reached spiritual maturity. We realize that we are the church and we're here to contribute. We're here to play a part, a role in God's church. Um, today I want to talk to you about a special value. And, and don't miss the power of this because it's easy to check out when we talk about this topic. But there's some power here even just for yourself. Um, this is a value, if I'm being honest with you, we didn't always emphasize as a church. Um, uh, for, for obvious reasons sometimes, but um, God did a big, big work in my heart and inside of me and, and said, no, this needs to be a value of all Christians. This needs to be a value of, of the church um, because it's what I instruct them to do and it's, it's how they become whole and all that. And so um, one of the driving values of God's people has always been and needs to be the value of generosity. Generosity. And so I want to take the words of Jesus here that were recorded in Acts chapter 20. We'll be in verse 35 here. And here's what Jesus said. He said, it is more blessed to do what? Help me out. Give than to what? Receive. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Which is very countercultural to, to the way that the world is. It's more like receiving, not giving. That's the way that the, the world is built. Um, but what makes this value so important to me is that there was a lot of years in my life where I was not generous at all. I was, I was simply not a generous person. And this is something, again, that God has, has really done in my heart. And let me share something outside the Word of God because a lot of times, you know, those of you who are in business or leadership, sometimes you read books and all these valuable principles come out of those books that you apply to your life and they change your life. But what I've noticed is all the ones that add the most value to your life in these books, they originated in the Word of God, if you really trace it back. You can find them in there. And so whether they knew it or not, they were plagiarizing the Word of God and pulling out these principles that, for daily living and, and putting them in, in these, these books. And so one of the books that I read years ago was called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you read that? 
So it's a very, very good book. If you haven't read it, everybody should read it. Um, but one of the values that he talks about in there is the value of generosity. That even in the world, even outside the church, that everybody, anybody that's going to thrive in life, they all always have the characteristic, one of their values is generosity, being generous. And so one of the, the ways he describes it in the book is he talks about the difference between having a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And so he talks about these two different types of, of mindsets. And so um, someone with a scarcity mindset goes through their whole life believing that there's never enough, there's never going to be enough, and so I've got to hold on to everything I ever get as tight as I can. But somebody with an abundance mindset actually believes there's always more out there, it's better to give than to receive. And so from a faith perspective, we need to realize a couple things that we believe from the Word of God, right? Number one is we serve an abundant God. We agree with that. Number two, we serve a God who promises that He's a God who provides. Um, and, you know, that, that he also owns all the resources on heaven and earth. And he says he makes that available to his children, which is the church. Now, I'm going to throw out a disclaimer here before I go, because some of you are already sitting back, and I, and I know why, because I do the same thing, and it's right to sit back if this is where I was going, but this is not where, I go, where I'm going. And so I just want to take a stand, first of all, and say that this is not a church that believes in the prosperity gospel. If you've heard of that, this is not a church that preaches health and wealth. And if only you had enough faith, you'd be rich and healthy. We're, we don't preach that here. That's not biblical. And so those of you that also spend time following some of those ministers on television that are asking you to give toward their $50 million jets, it's time to follow somebody else. Because that's not biblical, and I'll be the first to say it. But in a very rational sense, if I'm going to explain this practically, let's pretend that you have a chocolate pie. Okay. You have a chocolate pie, you love chocolate, and let's say that I come over to you, I know all my food, food illustrations, it happens every week, I don't know why, but let's say that I come over to you and I cut out 25%, one-fourth of your chocolate pie, and I eat it myself. Those of you that have a scarcity mindset are going to say, oh my gosh, no, um, the, I, I can't spare any, the, the, the pie is going to be gone, no way. You, you, but those of you with an abundance mindset would say, you know what, take half my pie, I can always make another one. Take half a pie, there's always more pie out there. And so, I don't know if you've noticed, um, but that's kind of how it works. And so I'm going to try to explain it in that way. Instead of always guarding what's mine, what's mine, what's mine, it's this idea that, you know what, there's more out there. There's always enough to go around. And many times what happens is people that grow up or spend their life living in a scarcity mindset find it very difficult in their life to be generous at all. And so, um, that's what happens. So when I was living in that mindset for years, the only time that I would ever give somebody a gift was to re-gift because I felt like I couldn't afford it. And by the way, if you didn't know, the classic re-gift is the gift card. So a re-gift is where you've been given something and then you can't afford to give somebody something but you want to bless them so you give them something somebody else has given you because it costs you nothing. Until I got busted. <laughs> so recently, I wanted to bless a couple in the church with a gift card to Chili's that I had received as a gift. And so I give them the gift card thinking, you know, we're being generous. It's kind of what we can do. So we're doing that and we bless them. And, and so it turns out the next week they go out to dinner at Chili's. They take another couple with them and they order a lot because they have the gift card and they go to town. Turns out that gift card had $1.47 on it <laughs> and we didn't realize it. We gave them the wrong one. We had used it. And so, uh, two rules, by the way, if you're going to be a re-gifter of gift cards. Number one, always check the balance. <laughs> and number two, make sure your name's not written on it. Because I learned that one the hard way, too. 
But the point is, we were trying to do something generous, but it just, it just didn't work out for us. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't work out. So um, what I want to do today, though, is I want to talk about one of the values that really God calls us to have as a church and, and as the people of God. And, and so I want to start teaching from the book of Corinthians. Let me give you the context of this before we dive in. If you're new here, you'll notice that what we do here when we teach the Word of God is we don't just pull verses out of the Bible as standalone verses and make them mean whatever we literally want them to mean as one line. You can't do that. That's how the Bible gets misinterpreted. So you have to look at the context around the verses, and that's when you find out what they actually in- were intended to mean. So the context in this passage we're about to read is that the Apostle Paul was trying to inspire the Corinthian church to give toward the Jerusalem church. At that time in church history, the the Jerusalem church was like the headquarters. It was the central location where they were sending everybody out to reach the world with the message of Jesus Christ. And he's talking about these people in this passage known as the Macedonians. And the Macedonians were a people who were very poor, but they were very moving to Paul Because they were living in deep poverty, and yet they somehow gave this massive gift. And he was he was surprised by that, and he was he was bragging on them just to give you some context. So here's what he says about the Macedonian Christians in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 2. He said, In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? Let's say it aloud. Rich generosity. And then in verse 3, this is stunning if you really think about it. For I testify that they gave, what? As much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And when I read that, I I paused because I never really looked at this passage in 2 Corinthians as a generosity passage. But when I was reading it over the last few weeks, I realized that I had to ask myself a question. And that question was, when was the last time that I gave as much as I was able or even pushed it a little further? And, and for me personally, that was a convicting question that I asked myself. And so he says, entirely on their own, this is interesting, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. In other words, they urgently pleaded, we want to be generous, we want to give to the cause of Christ. And I don't know if this happened or not, but I can almost imagine the Apostle Paul going, no, 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 not, not you guys. Don't, don't give to the cause of Christ. Let's let the wealthy people do it because that makes more sense. You guys are struggling too much already. Just let it ride. It's okay. I wasn't trying to, to, to push that on you. And, and, and it seems like their response is, no, you don't understand. We want to give. Please let us. We want to do this. We want to further the mission of God. This is something that we want to do because it's important. They urgently pleaded for the privilege of being able to give. That's pretty different from, from what we see in our culture, isn't it? You know, I mean, that's really different. Think about it. In ministries, in churches, um, in, in nonprofits and charities, it's almost like these organizations have to come up with these gimmicks to manipulate people to, to give to the cause. Like, we have to sell something, or we have to do a fundraiser, or let's do a bake sale, or hey, if you give, we'll make you a member, right? Like, that's what some churches do. And it's like, how different is that from what we see in this passage in the early church of people simply saying, we're pleading with you for the honor, for the privilege of giving toward the cause of Christ. And then in verse 5, it says, and they exceeded our expectations. I love this. Listen to this. They gave themselves what? First of all, to the Lord. So, so stop there for a moment. First, they gave themselves to God. 
They said, I'm submitting myself to Christ. Jesus, take my life. It's not my own. I give it to you. That's the first thing they give. And then by the will of God also to us. So it started by them giving their lives completely to Christ. That's where it began. And then Paul says, but since you excel in everything, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. In other words, let's be good at this. It's not just a haphazard thing. And so what that tells me is that one of the values of the Christian, one of the values of the church, needs to be generosity. Generosity. And so I'm going to say it this way if you're taking notes. We will lead the way. As the church, because we are the church, we will lead the way with irrational generosity. And I'll get to that in a minute. And then there's a reason for that. It's because we truly believe what the Bible says, which is it is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and by the way, I think this church does that well. I think that we are a generous church. Um, if you didn't know this, 10% of every dollar that comes into church goes out of Rice Church to the things that Jesus said we should spend our resources on, missional things that are making a difference in our community and in the world. And that's on top of the ministries happening within the church. And, and, and so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just do two minutes on, on the hard part that hit me hard because maybe it'll hit you as well, and then I'm going to encourage you, okay? So here's the hard part that was hard for me. So I asked myself a question this week. I said, am I less generous in my life or am I more generous in my life? And then I asked myself, am I irrationally generous? And what does that look like and what does that mean? And so that's a question that we can all ask ourselves in life. is not just with our, our money or our resources, but also with our time, with our giftings, with our talents. How generous are we when we give ourselves away to others? Just ask yourself that question for a moment and just let that sink in. You know, because you might be someone on, on the one hand like me years ago where you find it very difficult to be generous. You found it very difficult to give because you just feel like there's never enough. And some of you might even be sitting there and you're kind of angry that we're talking about this in church today. Let's call it what it is. You're sensitive to the subject, and I, I understand because I was there at, at one time. But what I want you to do is just think about it. How much, maybe think about it this way. How much do you keep as opposed to how much do you bless others with? Or are you generous? And go ahead and just think about that. And what I want to do is encourage you now. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to encourage you with the rest of the time today to become irrationally generous by the way, you don't have to be a Christian to be irrationally generous. Did you know that? How many of you know non-Christians that are crazy generous? I do. But I really feel the more that I study this that as the ones who, who accepted the free gift that Christ gave us that we did not deserve, that he went through for us, and he gave that much to us, I really do feel like the only reasonable response is generosity as we live in this earth. Because by the way, we don't take anything with us anyway. And so what I want to do is I want to share a passage with you it's in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8. And it says this. It says, but generous people do what? Plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. They plan to do what is generous ahead of time. Stingy people plan how to get more. Generous people plan how to do their generosity. For example, when I want to buy something, I don't just go impulsively buy it because that's not the smart way to do it. I think about it, I study it, I research it, and then I start to watch it as it hops around and then I make the kill at the right time. That's what I do when I purchase something. In the same way, when, I, when we give or when we're generous, we need to plan that. We need to be strategic about it if it matters because it does. 
And so it says, generous people plan to do what is generous. It's not just a casual thing. They stand firm in their generosity. When all of culture says, consume, 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 give me, let me keep, let me hold for myself, hold on tightly, a generous person says, no, I give. I have open hands. I want to meet needs. I want to I love people in this way and be giving of myself. And then they realize this concept, which is giving is not something I do. Generous is just who I am. Don't miss the power of that. Giving is not just something that we occasionally do as the church. Generous is who we are. It's who we're called to be. And, and so what I want to do now is I want to do something a little different. And I'm not going to stand up here like you've heard many pastors before and just tell you that you need to give more money to the church because that's not what today is about. God's going to build his church with or without us. Okay? He doesn't need us in that way. That's not what this is about. What this is about is our hearts and that we're called to become generous. It's one of the character traits that we're supposed to have as members of the church. And so I'm going to make this a little personal because I've been there. And I want to just tell you a little bit longer version of my story um, that may inspire you to take a step toward a little bit more generosity in your life. Because the truth is, I struggled with my finances for many years. And um, I did not make smart decisions. I did not do it the way God said to do it. And when I finally got it, when it finally clicked, when I finally understood it and started living this way, um, I no longer struggled with money. And it's not even because income went up, guys. It's because I started to apply certain principles that God actually puts in his word for us. And, and as I became more knowledgeable about it, first of all, let me back up. The place, by the way, that I was years ago, the place I was that turned me off from wanting to be generous was the church, just so you know. I'm talking about before I was a pastor, when I was just attending a church. The, that's the place where I was turned off from it because I would see people put money in this plate that passed by and then I would see my parents put and I shouldn't have looked but I looked and I was like do you know what you could buy for that like do you know what that amount of money could do that was my response when I was in high school watching them put put money in at church or give stuff away it was like do you know what you could do with that because I was good at math I could tell I could tell you what to do with it I could tell you a lot of things to do with it and I, as I became more knowledgeable, though, and started to study the scriptures, and then one time I remember in college, a pastor shared it with me in a way that I'd never heard before, and it finally clicked, and I started to understand what this whole thing is about. And he taught about the power, and not just the power, but the privilege it is to do this scary word called tithe, which is returning 10% of what God blesses to us back to the local church. And I remember just thinking, wow, he literally walked through the Bible and proved that that's something that God wants us to do. And, you know, I'd heard all the arguments before, like, oh, that's Old Testament, the New Testament. Well, actually, Jesus affirms it in Matthew 23, and then he does it again in Hebrews a couple times. So, but that's not the point. The thing that was a killer to me, so let me tell you the part that hit me hard, because sometimes we need to be, and then I'm going to tell you the part that really elevated me to a place where I got it. The part that hit me hard was, this was the killer to me, he said, he said, the scripture actually teaches, technically, that when you don't do this thing, you're robbing from God. And that was hard to hear. Um, and I remember thinking, wow. But now let me explain it to you in the way that really made me get it, because I don't often find that God changes my heart through guilt and condemnation and shame. He changes my heart through inspiring me to become more. And I think that's more biblical. So let me kind of share that. Let me ask you a question. As a Christian... As someone who believes the Bible, if you really believe it, then I believe that God owns everything on the face of the earth. 
It's verified multiple times in the scriptures, right? He owns all of it. He owns it. We don't take it with us, right? He owns it all. But there's this word, I think churches teach too much on giving sometimes and not, a, not enough on this other word, and that's what I want to talk about today. It's the word stewardship. Stewardship. Inside and outside the church, I think that people these days in our culture are not taught about stewardship. So let me define that for you. Stewardship, both in the Bible and in Webster's Dictionary, <laughs> is defined as the act of managing that which does not belong to us. Okay, so that means that everything that we have on this earth is actually belongs to God because we can't take it with us and the Bible says he owns everything on earth, but he's entrusted it to us to manage or steward for him while we're here. Okay, that's stewardship. In other words, the master owns it, but he's given me the privilege of managing some of it while I'm here on this earth. That's the biblical concept of stewardship. And the, the Bible also says that we are all stewards. That means we are those who manage something for somebody else. Okay? Psalm 24.1, by the way, is one of the places it says, all belongs to God. Everything on earth belongs to Him. But yet He gives us the privilege of managing or stewarding some of it for Him. Are you following so far? Okay. So here's another thing that we believe as Christians. God is in the business of meeting needs. And he's in the business of blessing people. Don't mishear that. I did not say God's in the business of making people rich. That's not what I'm talking about. But God is in the business of blessing people, of loving others and bringing blessing into, into their life. And a lot of times, some, let me say, sometimes he directly blesses people. But more often, if you really study blessing, he blesses people through us or through other people. In other words, he blesses people, but he chooses not to leave us out of the equation. So some of us who go through our whole life praying for him to meet the needs of this needy person or praying for him to meet the needs of this person who's struggling, and he's up there saying, well, I gave you the ability to do it. Why don't you do it? You're the catalyst. And I think sometimes we can spend our whole lives praying for people in need and never actually acting and loving people, which is actually what Jesus said to do, and we're completely missing the point. We're being bad stewards. So if we believe that God is in the business of blessing people and he often does it through others, let me come down here and just kind of make a point. Okay, so let's say that I give Rick $10. That'd be great, right? And I instruct him to give Delin right behind him, one of those dollars. Do you, is that still a good deal to you? Absolutely, right? So let's say that I give Rick $10. I ask him to give a dollar to Delin, and he says, no, I'm keeping it all for myself. Am I going to give him 10 the next time? Heck no. Now let's say I give Rick $10 and ask him to give one to Delin, and he says, you know what, I'm going to give Delin three. Man, now he's really proven it to me. I'm going to give him more, okay? Let me use a better illustration from, from my kids. So let's say that I give my son Lincoln 10 Oreo cookies, <laughs> which would be a really bad idea because he's already pretty hyper. <laughs> but let's say that I choose to do that. But I say, um, I want you to give one of those cookies to your sister. Now wait, let me step back a minute. Who owns those cookies? Does he own those? Heck no, those are my cookies. <laughs> I provided those cookies, those cookies belong to me. I am the keeper of the Oreos, the king of the Oreos. He only ever gets Oreos through me. <laughs> Understand? He would never eat an Oreo his whole life if it wasn't for me. Those Oreos are only there because I provide them. And they're a blessing when I do, okay? 
So if I give him an Oreo cookie, or 10 Oreo cookies, and I say, hey, give one to your sister, and he does, he was faithful with those Oreo cookies. He did what I said. I'm going to give him more. It would be very unhealthy with Oreo cookies, but let's just say. Now, if I gave him 10 Oreo cookies, and I said, hey, give one to your sister, and he ate them all, I'm not giving him any more. Um, he hasn't proven himself trustworthy or faithful with those Oreo cookies that belonged to me in the first place. Glorious Oreo cookies. So, now again, let's say that I give him 10, give one to your sister, he gives her three, he says, I want her to have a sugar high too, Dad. Then um, I'm going to give him some more, right? And so the point is, let me give you another concept, but, but there's truth in that, and you find that all throughout Scripture that not just with resources, but with gifts and with all kinds of stuff that God entrusts to us to manage here on this earth, our time, all that stuff, when we're not faithful with the little bit he's given us, he's not going to trust us with more. It's that scarcity thing, okay? Now, I'm not saying don't be wise and smart. I'm just saying there's two mindsets here. Another concept that really helped me, l- let me define three words for you real quick, just in case this helps. So we said stewardship is the act of managing something wisely for somebody else who owns it, right? Giving is the act of releasing something that's in my possession that has value. So whether it's resource, whether it's time, talent, gifting, something of value that I have, giving is giving that away and it's something that has value. Now here's the difference though between giving and generosity because those are two different things. Generosity is when I give something away that costs me something personally. Generosity is when I give in a way that involves personal sacrifice. Okay? For example, let me ask you a question. Um, Or let me just explain it this way. There could be somebody who uh, gives an amount of money that seems huge to some of us, but it didn't actually cost them anything. It was nothing to them. That's not actually generosity by definition of the word. That's giving. It's awesome, but it's not generosity. In the same way, just like the widow that Jesus talked about in another part of the Bible, there's some people that give something or are generous with something in their life that seems so small and minute to, to some of us, but really compared to what they have, it's extremely generous. So what I'm saying is, what I'm talking about today has nothing to do with monetary amounts. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about is generosity. I'm just explaining some of my process for figuring this out in my journey with you guys. And so as I personally learned what the tithe was, according to God's word, I was still afraid to do it because I had this scarcity mindset. But I'll never forget when I gave my first tithe and I started to see this miraculous provision of God. And I came to understand that 90% with God's blessing always goes further than 100% without. And I've never not tithed from that very first moment. And that was the beginning of changing my theology from this scarcity mindset to this abundance mindset where I believe the part where God says, this is the one place you can test me and I will prove myself to you. And I believed it. And it was true that God provides for his people. That was the beginning. And so, just for a minute, I'm going to be really vulnerable and transparent with you guys. Um, and I'm not doing this to brag or make myself look righteous or, or make myself look good. I'm doing this because as your pastor, I don't want to have any secrets from you. I want to lay it out on the table, and I do that regularly with my shortcomings and my strengths, right? And I want to be real with you. And so, I'm just going to share honestly from my heart right now um, because I want to show you what I was taught and how I learned. And ever since the first time I tithed, I've never stopped giving 10% of my income to the local church. 
even before I was a pastor, and really, it really is true that living on 90% God's way is always better than living on 100% not doing it God's way. And so my wife and I asked a question early on in our marriage. We asked ourselves, what does this irrational generosity thing actually look like? Like, does that mean that when the world looks at it, 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 it means that they'd think it was ridiculous? Like, wh- what would that look like if we were a little more irrational with it? And so there was a year where we said, you know what, let's do 11%. And then the next year, well, let's do 12 And it was interesting because, and again, I know some of you are going to scream coincidence. It's just too crazy for me for it to be a coincidence. It's kind of like those of you that say that the world was just formed out of nothing and all its complexity and nothing caused that. Like, it takes more faith to believe that. So, like, there was this, this moment where we, start, we, we did 11, and then all of a sudden I get promoted at my job. The next year we do 12, and it happened again, and all this stuff. And, and it was like, yeah, God provides. We started to believe this stuff. <laughs> there was one year, guys, and again, this is not to brag. It's, I'm, I'm trying to be real with you. There was a year where we gave 25% of our income to the church we were at. And some of you are sitting there thinking, ah, you must have been making a lot of money that year, so it wasn't a big deal. Actually, that was the year that my wife was unemployed and I was working at a nonprofit and I wasn't receiving any pennies of income from the church that year. And I, I hesitate to share this part because I, I try to stay humble, but I think sometimes there's a time and a place for me to just be totally open with you and tell you that for years we didn't receive a single penny of income from the churches we pastored because we just believed in the mission that much and we gave ourselves to that while working full-time outside of it. And, and I'm telling you this because my wife and I, we've been in very different seasons throughout our marriage and we've had seasons where we were not making it at all and we've had seasons where we were doing pretty well. And um, we've experienced those moments where you, you get to the point where you don't know how you're going to pay a certain bill or this or that. And guys, there was, a, there was a moment where we were exactly $120 short on our rent and... Um, we didn't know what to do, and we didn't even tell anybody about it, but we were just trying to figure out what to do, and all of a sudden, a couple from the church shows up on our doorstep, and they said, God told us to, to give part of our tithe to you this month, and we cried a little bit, because it's like, we didn't share that with anybody. How could that happen? And they left, and we opened the envelope, guys, and no joke, there was $120 cash inside, and again, call it coincidence, I don't. That's too crazy. I just think that our God is a God who provides. And anyway, back to my story. There's something else that really spoke to me, and I really feel like God gave me these words to use in my life, and I'm going to share them with you in case you want to pick them up and use them. You know how sometimes you're really sure that God speaks to you really clearly, and then other times it's like, well, maybe I just had some bad pizza late at night and I had a dream. And because some of you think every single time some crazy thing happens at night, it's like, oh, God's speaking to me, or sometimes you just had bad food. But God told me these two words, and, and I've seen a lot of blessing from it. He told me the words round up. Round up. Whenever I'm generous, whatever I'm giving, even if it doesn't seem generous, round up. So, for example, I started doing that in restaurants at first. So we'd go get some food, we'd go out to dinner, and by the way, it's customary to tip the server 15% when you go out to eat at one of those places. And so if the tip was supposed to be $4.17, I always would just round it up to 5 if the tip was going to be eight fifty, I'd round it up to 9 or 10. Just round up, round up. I just started doing that. When you get a haircut, you're supposed to leave a tip. It's supposed to be a percentage of the bill. But some weird stuff happens to me every time I get a haircut, and they always want to talk about God and church, and I just can't get them to shut up about Jesus. I don't know why. And so um, one time I'm getting my haircut, and this lady's telling me her story about how she's really struggling, and she's having a hard time, and 
And so when I went to pay, I didn't feel like I could afford it at the time, but I just felt led to bless her in some way. So I handed her a $50 bill, and I said, keep the change. It's for you. And she just kind of looked at it, looked at me like she was shocked. And I said, yeah, that's for you. Have a nice day. And I walked out. Little did I know that she knew I was a pastor, and she had had a bad experience at a church in the past that was not doing things like the right way. And... Um, she uh, didn't like pastors, but when she found out I was a pastor, she showed up at our church the next Sunday. She gave her life to Jesus Christ. God uses our generosity. And I've told this story before, and I know there's people in this room who've taken it and ran with it. And so some of you, when you go to a place, it's like, I'm not going to do 15%. I'm going to do 20%, or I'm going to do 25 because I just want to bless somebody. I'm going to round up. There's one guy in our church that instead of selling his car, he got a new car. Instead of selling his car, he just gave it to another guy in the church who needed a car to get to work. He just gave it to him. But here's the point. He didn't even just give him the keys. He detailed it and filled it up with gas and then handed him the keys. That's rounding up. That's rounding up. If you're going to give your cat away, give a dish and the food and the toys too. <laughs> because the Bible says it is always more blessed to give a cat away than to ever receive one. If you're new here, I'm not a cat guy, and you'll learn that. Um, sorry, I'm just not, in a really big way. Um, we, uh, we have a policy here at this church, and many of you might not have heard it, so I'm going to share it with you. It's kind of a behind-the-scenes policy, but we've always had it, we'll always have it. Anybody that ever walks in here who says they don't own a Bible, we hand them one. We give them one. I have some in my car. Anybody I run into that says they do not own a Bible, I give them a Bible because I believe in the life-transforming power of the Word of God. I know people that have been in jail, there's some in this room, or prison, and simply reading the Word of God turn their life around, <laughs> okay? Yeah, I see some hands going up. You don't have to admit it, but um, that's cool. I love it. I love it. So we have a policy here about that. And some people have come to me over the years in the church and say, hey, why don't you sell Bibles and life-changing books? No. Why would I sell something that has the ability to change people's lives through Jesus Christ? We're giving that stuff away. We're always do that. We'll always do that. We're never going to sway from that policy. We want to see lives impacted. We want to we be the church that brings gifts to the community, that shows up with gifts. We want, we wanna, we want to see people glad that our church is in town, and, and we want to support partners in our city and surrounding areas that are doing the things Jesus said to do. By the way, again, this is not about a pastor pushing for more money for his church. That's not what this is about. I hope you hear my heart today. In fact, I will even tell you, I don't care if you give here, but you need to find a church where you do believe in it and you trust it and you can give to the cause of Christ because the local church is God's greatest way of carrying out his cause in the world. And, and that's the best place for us to invest our time, our gifts, and our resources. Because when the local church makes such a deep spiritual impact on the world, it's because we are in the business of changing people's lives. And when people's lives are changed one by one by one, communities start to change and then the world becomes different. It's an amazing process. And, and I'm telling you, honestly, find a place that you believe in. Plug in there. Use your gifts there. Look for some kids who need something and be irrationally generous and change their life in some way. Enough on that. So, Here's an interesting thing. The followers of Jesus today, I believe, could be more like the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts in the early church. And here's how. 
in the book of Acts, there's two different times where it says whenever there was someone in need in those communities, the Christians would take what they had, sell it, and give it in order to meet the needs of those people in need. And here's what's shocking to me. Don't miss the power of this. I couldn't find one single specific story in those pages of a Christian who did this. It says they did it, but I couldn't find a specific story of a woman who sold her jewelry and then went to meet a need, or a man who sold the table that he inherited and then went to meet a need with it. I couldn't find a story of it. The only story that you find is one where somebody didn't give. Don't miss the power of this. There's no specific story about giving, and the reason is because it was so common in the early church that it was just a way of life. It was just something that they did. It was the way they lived. It was so, so every day. The church just did this. Every single day, what the followers of Jesus did, and, and, and when they did it, in Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work, where? Say it with me. In them all. <laughs> Not just some, but all. In the whole church of Jesus Christ, his grace was at work in them so that there was no needy persons among them. And so I asked myself the question, could that be possible today? I want to tell you today that if our churches would actually light on fire in this area and realize this is a value that we need to have straight from God and realize that we need to be leading the way as people with irrational generosity that we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive, I believe that we could actually meet the needs of the people in our communities far better than any government program ever did. Yes. Most of those started in the church centuries ago, by the way. But because the church stopped meeting the needs, the government had to take over. And I don't blame them when we stopped. The church needs to step up. I believe we could get people's attention. I envision a church of irrationally genero irrational generosity where people just give of themselves, their time, their resources beyond. I see a group of people who are not entitled, but realize that they're entrusted by God with everything they have to manage for His glory to do more in the kingdom. The Bible also says, to, much, to whom much has been given, much is required, and I feel like we've been given much. We've been given so much. And so I think that much is required of us. So therefore, as followers of Jesus, we're called to be irrationally generous where people around us might say, you know what, I don't really know exactly what they believe. I don't even know if I believe it yet, but man, why are they so generous? And in that moment when they ask that question, we will tell them about the generous God that we serve. That's because He first gave and He loved us so much that He gave His only Son. That whoever on the face of the earth chooses to believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And as Nathan said earlier, with the blood covering his eyes as he went to the death for us. That's what he gave. I think sometimes, like he said, we treat it so casually, but it's such a big deal. We give because God first gave to us.